This podcast was recorded live in London at the ICAD conference. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I've done a few episodes in uh, the history of Beyond Risk and Back about music and recovery. And uh, I think I think it's a big deal. I think that, well, I've told you that the, the kids in our facility are allowed to have iPods. Uh, they keep songs on it. Uh, we do monitor the music. We don't want anything especially aggressive or violent or that glorifies drug use, violence, uh, demeaning attitudes towards any gender. And once again, here, here in London, all the way from London, I have uh, Kathy from Music for Reco- Recovery. And I want you to hear what she's done. I want you to hear what it means to take things in recovery one day at a time. couldn't go an hour without another drink. <laughs> so you guys are actually, uh, you, first thing I want to talk about, you put on concerts at facilities. Yeah, we do a couple of things, Aaron, and I just want to, first of all, thank you so much. It's great to meet you. Oh, of and course, good to meet you. And doing. I'm really excited to be here with you on your uh, Beyond Risk and Back podcast. Um, so yeah, what's cool about that song in particular is actually, so we do songwriting workshops and we do concerts. We actually wrote that song in two hours with 40 people, uh, giving them the opportunity to do what we call an explorament about what does it mean to live in the day. Because sometimes when we first come into recovery, and I'm blessed to be in long-term recovery 23 years at this point, um, people are like, you know, it's just for today. Just don't drink a drug for today. But you really know they're really saying, like, you can never drink or do right. drugs again. Right. That's, that's one of the haunt. <laughs> that's one of the haunting statements. Yeah, but the woman who helped me in the, in the beginning, man, she just really helped me. She's like, all you gotta do is get to bed clean and sober tonight. Right. You know, and you can go to bed early if you want. Almost nobody relapses while they're sleeping or napping. Lots of people relapse because they're exhausted. Um, so we wrote this song at a Gazon on Cape Cod with 40 people in their first 30 days of recovery, um, and give them a chance to talk about their thoughts about. Um, what does it mean to live in the day? And sometimes what happens when we do these songwriting workshops is we come out with something that's so hooky that we then add it to the concert. So my friend Alice Leon and I, who are the, the mainstays of Music for Recovery, went back into the studio and recorded that song with professional musicians. That's Alice singing. Um, 
And so what's really great is this circle that we can take a song that we wrote with a group of people in recovery and then play it back for people in recovery. You know, we never we never sell them, but we make them freely available. We give out CDs. We've given out probably 3,000 CDs at this point. Wow. Uh, we have it up on our SoundCloud page, which is where yeah, you Yeah, talk got about it. the SoundCloud page, because that's where I downloaded this song Yeah, from. so the SoundCloud page is uh, the Music for Recovery SoundCloud page. And you're going to find, uh, there's hundreds of songs in there, but if you look for the Music Recovery playlist itself, because every client that we work for has their own page. Um, we're pretty proud that over we have, have over 30,000 streams. That's amazing. So that means that clients that have been with us in treatment, written a song with us, then after treatment go and play their songs. Um, so it becomes like a form of aftercare in that way. So you talk about going to the place not only to just do a concert and play music for people and you know taste of music is so diverse maybe they like it maybe they don't but you write music with them we do and what we're doing in that process is what i've noticed as a songwriter in early recovery i just noticed that the creative process had so many gifts in common with the recovery process um, for example, just the gift of process. Like they tell us that recovery, everything is going to get better. But it's really hard to see how that process is going to work. The process of songwriting is also a completely mysterious process. We walk into a room with people that we don't know. Um, we uh, have a topic that they choose. And then we take actions together as a group, and a song arises, which is kind of exactly how recovery works, right? We come in with nothing, we take actions as a group, uh, we help and support each and listen to each other, and then recovery arises. So songwriting is just like that. But we're also practicing, besides just letting a process unfold, having sober fun. Like we've seen from the evaluation, so many people said, I didn't think I could have this much fun without drugs and alcohol. Because we tell people they're going to be happy, joyous, and free, but treatment's incredibly hard work. You know, it's a really honorable, challenging, difficult, uh, heart-wrenching kind of process to look at yourself like that. <coughs> so to give people the experience of having fun, especially having fun as a group, because that makes all the other groups go better. Look, I, you, you talk about, you know, what, are the, what, are, what is it, uh, happy, joyous. joyous, and free. free. That coming from a process that quite honestly sucks so badly at times, <laughs> where all the... The, the shame, the guilt, the frustration, the sadness of how you've been experiencing and living your life. You're facing, having to deal with, you're apologizing for, you're making your step four list. And now some people come in and say, we're gonna sing today. And you're like, are you kidding me? I gotta tell you, my favorite evaluation is people say, I thought this was gonna be awful and I loved it. Uh, which is great, because then they're demonstrating open-mindedness. Um, so yeah, and you know, there's so many things in songwriting that are cool, like mistakes in recovery and in life sometimes. Like you might think that getting pulled over for drunk driving was a mistake. It might turn out to be great. In creativity, so many times things that happen by mistake are cooler than what you're actually trying to do. Right. Um, walking in the unknown. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's working and we just keep going. Um, be, uh, slowing down, you know, and, and also being imperfect. We talk about that a lot. I show these pictures of like the eagles, you know, when they're born look really stupid. <laughs> and um, just to allow yourself to get gradually better. And then also completion, because a lot of us, um, you know, addiction robbed us of completion. So when we work in songwriting workshops, we finish the song. No matter what, we get it done. Where are you guys located? Uh, we're in New on the East Coast, uh, but we travel the whole country. And now, hey, we're in London. So world's getting bigger yeah, yeah we've worked in um we worked for milestones in tennessee we've worked for um northbound in california we've worked for um in colorado texas 
Louisiana. Yeah, you said Florida. you were you were up there at, at Harmony. My friends at yeah, Harmony, Harmony in Colorado. Foundation, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so one of the first, like your business card was a CD you handed to me. Yeah. If I go back with uh, the kids in my facility, what do I do with that CD? Well, there's a couple things you can do. One is you can stream it online if you want, because CD players can be old. That's but another super easy thing would kids be... Kids would be like, what's that? Yeah, they're like, what is that? Um, another super easy thing to do is, is run a group off of it. You know, we can provide you with the lyrics of the song and then like have them write, you know, um, what does it mean to them to live one day at a time? And to take the lyrics from the song and run a group right off of it. Um, another one's about willingness, which is like a kind of mysterious quality for a lot of people when they first come in. What does it mean to be willing? And it's like a great way to jump off and, and start a topic uh, for discussion. You not just write the songs, but you actually teach people to play instruments? Right, and I want to say that to any treatment provider that might be listening to this podcast, is that playing a musical instrument, learning to play a musical instrument, is scientifically proven, and I'm happy to hook you up with the studies, uh, to be the number one thing to create brain connectivity. So for people who've had trauma or substance use disorder, there's been a lot of brain disruption. And when you increase brain connectivity, what you do is you increase uh, executive function, which is memory, creative problem solving, uh, the ability to work better in social situations. Um, and we've actually seen one of the clients we worked with, as we worked with her playing drums, she attributes that to her getting her memory back. It's also a sober, fun hobby, which again, cannot be underestimated. And you know, the, some of the literature of Narcotics Anonymous talks about like lost dreams reawaken. And so many people were like, you know, I've never had the chance to play an instrument. I always wanted to play guitar. I always wanted to play ukulele. Um, so it's like a really great brain science reason to be doing that in recovery. But it's also just like, uh, also sometimes people have some downtime in recovery, you know, in, in treatment. So to have instruments around uh, to ha give people the opportunity to learn and practice and then work together again, because playing music together, singing together, creates cohesion in groups. Kathy, you mentioned earlier on the show about your 23 years yes. in sobriety. Um, I, did music play any role in your recovery? Is that why you're hooked on this, or were they connected prior? Or? Well, you know what, like I grew up in a violent alcoholic home and there's just a lot of things in life that didn't make sense to me, but there's a couple things that have always made sense to me, and music is one of them. And um, I, I don't know, it's just, it's run through me. I Honestly, this is like so uncool, but like, a Girl Scout camp, right? Like singing around the campfire. Like I fell in love with that stuff, man. And I've been playing guitar for 47 years. Um, so to me, when I first got sober, some people said to me, you know, you, you're not going to be able to stay clean and sober and play music. And, and I said to them, well, if you, if you really knew me, you know that like I can't stay clean and sober if I don't play music. Like, what's the point? You know, I am a musician. I want to play. So I also like the idea that music is a lot, a part of a lot of people's using story, right? And I love to take the power of the music and flip it over and make it part of people's recovery story. Do you have any particular dissatisfaction with uh, the music that the kids are listening to nowadays? Do you, are you worried, concerned, or is it all good? I actually am worried and concerned, and here's a couple of reasons. First of all, hip hop was started by people that had like a social conscience. They did it to bring communities together and to prevent violence. That's what the origins of hip hop are from, from like DJ Herc in, in Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, so what I notice is a lot of the kids I work with uh, who are gang, who have gang involvement or just in that whole urban drug scene, is that when you ask them, can you please tell us three positive songs that you know, they don't. They don't have any. Um, and there's a few things about it. Is we know that from the um, we know from science that just for people who have substance use disorder, 
talking about looking at images of drugs and alcohol light up the brain in a different way. So it's triggering people all the way. Um, also, it's promoting violence and disrespect of all genders. So much disrespect, and it's just a cycle that they're worshiping people that are getting locked up for, for killing people, and it's just a cycle like that. Also, I have to say, I love language, and a, a lot of the urban, some of the urban hip-hop that the kids that I work with, I'm not saying this about the whole genre, I think hip-hop's an amazing art form. I actually spit fire myself. Um, I think it's an incredible art form, but in a lot of the kids I work with, it's so language poor. And if you don't have the, enough vocabulary, you can't paint a bigger picture. Let's let's stay on this hip hop thing for a second. If a parent is really concerned about the uh, hip hop that their kid is listening to, do you have some alternatives that the parent can purchase, bring into the kids, introduce the kids, watch some videos themselves? Like for example, um, I had some kids listening uh, in the facility one time listening to this rap uh, rapper. I walked by at the wrong moment when he was saying some of your stereotypical things that would make you not like it. I told him to turn it off. They said, no, no, you got to listen to this guy. They sat me down. His name is Hobson. Oh I've been a gosh, fan he's, ever he's, he's since. He's brilliant. Well, I tell you what, so the facilities I work in, we curate the iPods. We curate every song that the kids listen to. And we've seen a direct correlation between the behavior in the facility and the music that is being listened to. I will tell you, I meet the kids where they're at. Every single song, like they get to suggest what songs go on the iPods. Every single song, I sit down and I listen to it. I look at the lyrics and I listen to the song. And I'll sometimes sit down with the kids. It's interesting that they're not always hip to what it's actually talking about. You know, so I, I would encourage a parent, like, sit down, listen to it, and talk to your kid and ask them, like, why it's important to them. Um, like, an artist that I really didn't really appreciate because of some of his own personal behavior was um, XXXTenacion. You know, and, uh, and uh, then I learned more about, like, I asked the kids, like, why that music was so important, and I learned more about him as an artist. So, just like always, you know, the most important thing you can do is, like, with your kids is listen to them and spend time with them. You know, 50 Cent just celebrated 11 years of sobriety. It was all over the Internet. I wish every person in recovery had as much exposure and about their success as, as uh, Eminem did. Um, He's, I think he's a good example of, of where his music was going, how frightened people were about what he was saying, and how his uh, album recovery and everything that happened since then was provocative in a different way. Right. I mean, that's the thing I want to say about, like, recovery is a warrior journey, you know? It's like an honorable thing to be doing. Like, I know there's shame and stigma about it, but hopefully soon there won't be. It's the most courageous, badass thing you can do, is to get clean and sober. And also to be present to reality as it's currently constructed. Last but not least, I'd just like to say that particular part of human history that we're in right now is a really good time to have people be awake and paying attention. Mental health is is becoming a, a prime topic in in... Uh, in media, in, in, in we always talk about it when we're in recovery because it's part of our process. But now it's becoming hip to sing about it, to write about it, to speak about it. That's a good thing. How do you? Okay, so you go, you do a writing workshop with them. Uh, it, it, you're, you're teaching them to play instruments. You put on a concert. How do they follow up with you? Is it just something you, is it, is it a one and done? Do you think that the message is strong enough that people take it or? Well, some of the facilities we have are like, a, uh, we have installed programs for them that are ongoing. One of the things we're really interested in doing is a training clinicians in how to help their clients write to the beat. You know, we've created a free Dropbox playlist of legal uh, hip hop beats that the kids or 
people under 35 like, um, as well as like links to, you can actually go to the ICAD blog, which would be like icad.com backslash blog, I think, and I have a whole resource list about how to use music to engage your clients in treatment. Um, you know, have a clinician be able to put down a, a hip-hop rhyming dictionary and put on a good beat and say, okay, let's talk about your trauma. You know, like, let's let's do a timeline. Like, what happened from 5 to 10? What happened from 10 to 20? What happened from 10 to 25? What do you want to have happen from 25 to 35? And, like, let's make each one of those a verse, and let's, let's make a hook that's, like, the truth about yourself. Okay, so we're coming around to the end here. I want to make sure that they have all of your contact information, everything. But before that, um, besides your personal experience, with addiction and recovery, besides playing guitar for 47 years. How did all this come about? Where, where, where's, was there a creative process, an intellectual process behind this, or do you just know in your heart there's the right thing and it's proven to be true? Well, I had already started doing songwriting workshops uh, in other kinds of spaces, and then when I got into recovery, I was like, the process of creativity and the process of recovery really mirror match and reinforce each other. I got the opportunity to start doing a music program for a treatment facility near me called Alina Lodge. And I worked there for three years, and we started doing the songwriting. Um, we've done it for 10 years now, Music for Recovery. And um, in, in 2016, the Recovery Research Institute at Harvard at Mass General did a study on our work, led by Dr. John Kelly, who's actually a brilliant researcher, but he's also a songwriter. He had a moment in his graduate school where he wasn't sure if he was going to become a songwriter or a scientist. He's actually still a great songwriter. And so they studied our work and, and there was you know, evidence-based to show that what we do really makes a difference. We've done over 400 songwriting workshops. And uh, so. That's amazing. It's super fun actually, it's really cool. The other cool thing is that we see client engagement after the fact, like, because I can see from the backside of my SoundCloud page, we've had people like a year, two years, three years, four years later, come back and play their songs again. So we know that it matters. So you're speaking here at ICAD. Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, well, okay. I'm speaking to you. Yeah, I yeah. I thought you had a talk. You, you need to be on stage. Because, I would love to be. Look, all yeah. these, the, that's the thing is that, like you, a lot of it I've come to this very organically. The only letters after my name are SOB. We opened a facility. We started this podcast because we knew it was the right thing to do. What you're doing is the right thing to do, and there's a lot of big brains who need to be doing this. How is a family, a parent, going to get in touch with you? Uh, you can you can catch us at musicforrecovery.com. It's just all it's a, in the middle is like the the word for, not the letter for, not the number for. Sorry, dyslexic at work. Uh, musicforrecovery.com. Yeah, or go to SoundCloud and look up Music for Recovery. Uh, there's a whole playlist up there. Perfect, Kathy. Thank you so much for thank your you time. Thank you so much for Appreciate your time. I love being with you. All right. Okay. Hang on for a second while I sign us out and uh, play a little bit. Of, I'm going to play more of your song All right, uh, for the outro. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Aaron. This has been Beyond Risk and Back, live from London at the International Addictions and Associated Disorders Conference. Want to give a lot of thanks to ICAD here in London, also to Mental Health News Radio Network and Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. Remember parents, take care of yourselves first, take care of your adult relationships second, 
and take care of your children third because in that way, we do our best work with our children. Thanks for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting podcast. We'll see you next week.